Have you ever thought to yourself that you don't have anything substantial to offer when the truth is that your message and your story really do matter? In this episode of the Courage Cast, I'm talking with Jonathan Milligan, the author of Your Message Matters, about what to do when you feel stuck with your messaging as an online influencer or as someone who really just wants to make a bigger impact. We're talking about the eight attributes of a messenger, how to balance learning with action, and the difference between having a dream and being a message-based business. Jonathan uses what he calls the messenger manifesto to keep him focused and on mission. And we even spend a bit of time working on my manifesto. So grab a coffee and keep your notebook handy because there is so much that I believe you're going to take away from what Jonathan has to share. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week, we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hey there, welcome to The Courage Cast. My name is Andrea Crisp, and I'm your host. And if this is the very first time that you are joining me today, then I just want to say welcome. And I hope that you really get a lot out of this episode. You know, when I first started coaching, I had zero idea how to market my business or how to even come up with a message, what that even meant. Like, I just wanted to coach people. I knew that I had a gift to do it and that's just what I wanted to do. But there was so much that I didn't realize that I needed to do in order to actually run a successful business. And so for a long time, marketing really eluded me and so did my messaging. When I got my hands on the book, Your Message Matters by Jonathan Milligan, like honestly, there were so many takeaways for me to really go, you know what? If I just implement that one thing, just tweak it that way, I think things would really shift for me. And so I had some huge aha moments throughout our conversation and also as I read his book. So I'm really excited to introduce you to him, but just a little bit about him. He's an author and a blogger, and yes, blogging's not dead. Lots of people love to read. He's a speaker and online business coach. He spent the last decade guiding and directing creative professionals on how to pursue meaningful work. And he refers to himself as a resourceful teacher, and you're going to hear that right away. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jonathan Milligan. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the Courage Cast today. I'm really excited to chat with you. Just read through your book, Your Message Matters. And as I was reading it, like I was really struck with so many takeaways and so many things that I know I want to apply to my business and to really helping women just get empowered and feel like they can share their transformation story. And so I want to dive into that. But Before we do that, uh, would you just tell us a little bit about who you are and who you serve? Absolutely. So I am just a normal, average guy who was a high school teacher whose parents were teachers and wanted to figure out what's that thing that I'm supposed to do? What's that calling that I am, you know, that big purpose? And I went on that journey. That's a lot of what I talk about at the beginning of the book. And it was a journey of trying different things and learning. And part of what I love about being able to share my story is helping other people maybe um, shave off a few years, if not decades, off of finding that thing. 
but today I have the opportunity to work from home, uh, building a business that fits me and not just working a job. I think that's important, but, uh, I essentially get to help messengers. So anybody who has a message, a writer, speaker, teacher, coach, help them to figure out, first of all, how to hone in on that message, then help them through launching that platform and really doing the work of how do we market our message and build the audience around that thing that we are passionate about. And so that's what I love to do every single day. We do that through a lot of different methods, but that's what we're about. I love that. Now, a lot of the women who listen to the podcast and who've been kind of following even my journey for the past three years, like they are women who have a transformation story. They're women who have been through things. They've, you know, got healing in different areas. They're speakers, they're podcasters, they're coaches, they're writers, actors, musicians, all sorts of people. And I think that each of us do have a story to share. And I think that sometimes it's so... I don't know, it can feel really um, like you get really in your head about sharing what you've been through or how you can help someone. In fact, just today, it was so interesting. I was spending a little bit of um, time this morning, just even like doing quiet time. And I was just like, okay, I just want to get in touch like with my inner self. And uh, part of that for me is a little bit Holy Spirit, a little bit inner self. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I did kind of like the the cross hybrid of that. And then And I was just, it was almost like I just felt this, Andrea, you are already the expert. And I think that it's so interesting that I could be in this journey for so long without feeling like I'm an expert in anything. And I think that that's where so many women, especially in the online industry, are. Um, So I kind of want to go there today. But you talk about in your book, you talk about being a messenger, but you have like eight attributes So I wanted to like talk about that because when I started reading your book, I was really struck by how you kind of walk it out. Would you mind walking that out with me? Like the eight attributes I have the book here or uh, I can do it or you can do it either way. (laughs) I think I've got my copy in front of me as well. (laughs) You probably know it way better than I do. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I thought it was important to to upfront describe what are some of the attributes of a messenger? And not that you have to have all eight in order for you to be effective. It's not like a test of like, oh, I can do this thing um, if I have all eight. But it's like, even if you have a couple of these qualities, you really should evaluate and think about building what I call a message-based business or a messenger business. And I think that is something that I wanted people to understand from the beginning. So like number one was messengers are creatively driven. So there's something they're wired to create in some way. And sometimes we don't even know what that is. Sometimes it's like we finally awaken to the fact that we can write like like we, we almost have, uh, it's almost therapeutic for us to like share our story on the keyboard and just like giving ourselves to write. And, and I talked a little bit about that on my journey that, you know, I sat writing on the shelf for over a decade, even though when I was 19 years old, it was like, you know what, I kind of like to write. And then I got squashed by a college professor who told me not to pursue writing. And I picked it up a decade later. So, um, But I think that's, you know, we are wired 
to do something creative. Mm-hmm. And that could be a lot of things. And especially online today, that could be podcasting like we're doing, that can be creating videos, that can have a live stream show, that could be expressing yourself through, like you talked about actors who are attracted to to uh, your world. So I think that's number one. Number two is messengers are mission oriented. And what I meant by that is that you want to be on a mission. It's about something bigger than yourself. And yes, we want to make income so that we can do more of this because we love it, but it's about this bigger mission that we're excited about. Uh, Messengers are transformation makers. We want to not just, again, earn money, but at the end of the day, does this make a difference in the life of somebody else? I really fell into this, Andrea, when I started blogging. I had friends of mine back in 2010 and 2011 who were making a killing on AdSense income off their blog. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time I was making about 1200 a month. They were making ten to 15000 a month. And I started thinking, well, maybe that's, I'm going to do what they're doing. And they started like, they told me they create these little niche sites about all kinds of topics and you have these little niche blogs. And so I started down that road for a little bit and I bought domain names on black mold removal and, you know, backyard basketballcourt.com and just all this stuff. And I was writing articles for these things. And one day I woke up and I'm like, if I have to write one more article on black mold removal, <laughs> I will go insane because what am I trying to do here? You know, right. it's more than just about income, but I wasn't, you know, somebody who was cared about people. And if you care about black mold removal, great, but that wasn't me. I knew that that wasn't me. And that's when I actually sold those. And I started bloggingyourpassion.com because I was really passionate about helping people connect to a bigger reason and, um, you know, making transformation in the lives of other people. Now, before you go to the next one, yeah. um, it's interesting because a lot of times online when people are talking about, you know, the difference between kind of sharing their story and then having an impact, right? Like they say that, but then it's like, okay, well, how do I connect the dots? So it's like if I share too much about my story, then it's not about somebody else. But if I share just about them and their story, then am I even being relatable or authentic and there's like this weird middle spot. Like, how do you have that mm-hmm. impact and like the transformation that you're talking about being mission oriented and yet like still pull in part of your message? Yes. Great, great question. So okay. this is something I struggle with because here's the deal. Like I discounted my story when I started to write my book, I had a totally different introduction and my publisher said, Jonathan, you need to tell your story. And I'm like, my story is boring. There's nothing exciting about my story. I'll feel that way. <laughs> like I don't have the, you know, yeah. I was in prison for five years and, and had this aha moment. And, you know, this, like this came back from this and some people have that story. That's great. But for those who are listening, if you feel like I don't have that big rags to riches story, that's okay. Because I have been shocked at how many people have just resonated with me just telling what I consider to be my boring story. Yeah. But I think here's the big, the big difference. You always have to connect it back to how does this help other people? If you're really approaching this as a guide, that you're, you want to be a guide, then you're constantly thinking, how does this part of my story, what's the lesson in this part of my story? 
mm-hmm. that I can share with other people. And I think if we think lessons mm-hmm. and not just about telling our accomplishments, I think that's where it connects back to people. And part of what I wanted to get across is, and, and here's the other thing about telling your story, people see themselves in your story. Yeah, that's true. And that's why we love good movies, because what do we do? We kind of attach ourselves to the main character and we're like, we see us in that main character. We want that character to triumph because we want to overcome challenges. Yeah. And so by telling your story, you also, the good and the bad, you're also helping your reader because they're connecting themselves to the story as well. Mm-hmm. Now, in your story, like it was interesting because when I read about your your professor doing that, it was so I thought to myself, well, isn't that something? eh? like and here you are, you know, writing a book and you're doing this like basically all this content creation. That's writing, you know, like don't be a, a writer for a living. And this is what you do. And it's and I found myself there like I found myself in that space. Of, and it's like, well, maybe I didn't have a professor actually say that to me. But I say that to me, like Mm. I say to me that, well, your writing's not good enough. And it's not like the friends of yours who are writers, because I have friends who are writers and they put out magic online. And I feel like I don't really like mine's so simple. So I really did actually resonate with you telling me that because then I was like, okay, yeah, I don't feel like I have something to offer. Okay, so let's let's keep going. So number four. Yeah, number four is about messengers or challenge seekers. So they're kind of bored at the comfort zone. Yeah. And it's like, you know, life's comfortable. Life's just kind of, it is what it is. It's, it's, there's both good and bad, but I'm okay. I'm comfortable. But a messenger is like, but I want to get out on the edge of my comfort zone. And so I think that's another big one. Messengers are also gift cultivators. So they want to see the potential of other people, but they also are curious about themselves. So you're probably a messenger if you've taken personality tests, if you know your Enneagram, if you, (laughs) I'm a three, um, married to a nine which is awesome. And then I have my, my son's a five on the Enneagram and my daughter's a six. So we almost got the whole thing covered. You do. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's been wonderful because it's been a great communication tool, but you know, gift cultivating is so important, especially as a messenger, because if you're not growing, you're probably not making the impact you want to make on other people. And sometimes this happens because what happens is if, if you stop growing yourself, mm-hmm. then the, your ability to communicate or be a resourceful person to the people you're coaching, teaching, helping slows down it. And I've seen this with people who they've stopped learning. And I think that's a dangerous place to be. And we should always be learning and growing. So I think that's important. What if you're though, what if you're going to the opposite extreme though? Like what if you're learning too much? Yes. Like, I know you talk a little bit about that later on in the book, but like, I mean, because I know for, for some people, like I could see how they're like, yeah, I have exactly what I need. Now I'm going to build this business and do this, share my message or whatever. But then there's some other people and I'm more this bent where it's like, no, but if I just know this, then like, and that's going back to even where I was saying this morning, it's like, no, Andrew, you already are the expert. You don't need to 
read another book, listen to another podcast, get another course, hire another, you know, and trust me, I'm, I'm a pro- proponent for all those things. But when do you know that it's like, okay, what's the healthy balance here for that? I a hundred percent agree. And I know this the hard way. Uh, talking about, you know, discovering yourself. Well, my top five on strength finders, one of them is right at the top is learner. Okay. Now there's a good side and there's a dark side to that. So I know firsthand. So what can happen for some of us is learning feels like progress in some ways it is, but learning doesn't, doesn't correlate to making income. Learning doesn't correlate to making impact unless we're sharing what we're learning. And so one of the things I talk about is um, to balance your learning with your actions. So what I had to actually start doing is I told myself, if I bought a course or if I invested in a program for every hour I spent learning, I had to back it up with an hour of action, even if it was clumsy. Hmm. Okay. Because I had to have the balance there. And uh, another part I I talk about in the book is the importance of becoming a farmer. And if we use this illustration of a farmer, what does a farmer do every day? Well, they wake up and they measure their actions, not their results. They don't wake up the next morning after planting the seed and look out the window for a knee-high crop, right? They know that they have to just continue to get up and they measure their actions more than they do the results. And if I continue to wake up every day, serve, plant, water, do the actions, then I know the harvest will come. But Mm -hmm. a lot of people pull back. And there was even times for me where I would do a little bit of action, pull back. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, I, you know, I didn't get that. No, the people that you admire created an obscurity for a while before their message really started to take off. So are you saying like, basically, like if you're talking about, like, I love that analogy, like, and I, even when I read it, I didn't get it like that. As soon as you said that, that made a lot of sense. So you're saying like some, someone goes on and says in the morning, okay, like, did I get any likes on Instagram? Do I have any emails in my inbox? Did anybody message me on Facebook? You know, trying to, you know, has anyone requested me to be a podcast guest? That's like the results base, right? So, so many women maybe look at that, like I put all this out, but what was the result? So how do we then go, okay, well, what is the creating an obscurity part of it where it's like, how do I measure the actual planting and the creativity? Like, how do you do that part of it? So what I would recommend is that you identify, you know, what are the core actions that I can actually take that I can control, right? I can control putting out a podcast episode. I can control publishing that blog post. I can control my actions. What I cannot control is, did somebody comment on my post? Did I get five more reviews on my podcast this week? I mean, I can try to, to encourage those things. But I think what happens is we all measure our results too soon, and then it justifies why we should stop doing the actions. Oh, yeah, that's good. And so I think that's a wrong way to think about it. I Mm -hmm. think you have to think about this in a way of consistency births momentum. But what brings consistency? It's taking actions every day. And I think why, what I've seen with a lot of students and people I've worked with is they just give up way too soon. 
And then, you know, because they expect that harvest to be too, too quickly. I, I talked about this in the book, but Charles Dickens wrote for free every week in the, um, I forget which Chronicle, it was a newspaper in England. I think it was called the Evening Chronicle. And for a year, for free. And then somebody picked it up, a publisher came to him and said, I love what you've been writing. Let's put it in a book. Well, that became the Pickwick Papers, okay. which became the number one most sold book in the world. Mm-hmm. But what did he do for over a year? He wrote every week for free for the local yeah. paper. That's awesome. Okay. So number seven. Yeah. So number seven is messengers are freedom lovers. So they don't ex- typically accept the status quo because you're creative. You probably are going against the grain. You probably typically are not content in a typical nine to five job. You want to um, have more freedom of choice of when you work, where you work, who you work with. And uh, I think that's that's pretty um pretty indicative of most messengers. And the number eight is messengers are future focused. And what I mean by that is they look out on the horizon and they see what could be not only for themselves and their family, Mm -hmm. but they also see that in other people and they see and get excited about the breakthroughs or the future potential of others before that person even sees it for themselves. And that if you feel that way about people, if you want growth for them more than they want it for themselves, you're probably a messenger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love these. And so you don't have to be all eight. You you can be some of them, most of them, all of them. <laughs> yes, these are the, the kind of the, the more the core attributes of somebody who should be thinking about building a, a business around their message. Okay. Now I know that there are some times where there are women who, who come to me and they are, you know, in starting stages of building something or dreaming, but they're really stuck when they are thinking about their, their mindset on like their family and like, how am I going to come up with the money? And what is my family going to think about this? And what are some of the common things that messengers have to deal with in shifting their mindset when it comes to actually, building a message-based business? I think the first thing is uh, most messengers feel very isolated. So they're, they're, they're probably doing this on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I was like that in the beginning. Like I didn't know any, anybody at my church who wanted to blog or podcast at the time back then, you know, I didn't, you know, nobody in my family, my wife was curious about what I was doing, but didn't fully understand it, but she was very supportive. Um, my, you know, extended family members had no idea. Some of them still don't fully understand what I do. <laughs> when I published a book, they were like, wait, my uncle John wrote this. Well, this is really cool. I had no idea what you did. They read the book and they were like, my, my niece was like, John, I, I had no idea what you did. So, um, so I think that, that isolation's one. Yeah. And so you need to get plugged into community. Uh, whether that's a, you know, a type of community that you offer, Andrea, for people or um, just finding that community. It could be a, a mastermind group. It could be just a community of people and a membership. Getting around other people is so important. So I think isolation. I think another one that we struggle with is accountability. Mm-hmm. And that's because um, it's, this is different. 
Like when you're in a regular nine to five job, it has built in accountability. That's right. You have a manager, you have a boss walking around, but just because you're excited or motivated or, um, you are passionate about your topic doesn't necessarily mean that accountability is out the window. You need to find ways to, to be accountable. I think another one is not getting a mentor. I think I should have gotten a mentor a lot sooner than I did Mm -hmm. Um, because mentoring is the great accelerator. And um, you know what, for whatever you can invest in a mentor, it's going to help you get further faster. So those are some of the things that I see as potential pitfalls for messengers that they really need to be aware of. And I I really agree with you on that one, especially because I see so many women who will say, you know, I want, you know, my message to reach people like maybe they're trying to build a membership or they're trying to, um, you know, get more clients or they're trying to just, you know, anything along that line. And but they're like, I'm I don't want to invest in like coaching or mentorship, either one of them, you know, however you want to look at it. Uh, and, And I say to them, like, well. I've also been there too, where I didn't want to put the money, you know, the skin in the game. But at the end of the day, you stay in the same loop if you don't, you know, take that time to invest in yourself and in your message. And I have done, you know, I've done that in spades. And sometimes I have to tell myself, okay, you need to like take a little bit of a break here (laughs) and just actually do some of the work. And I think finding a healthy balance between you know, doing the work and the accountability and, you know, hiring someone. And uh, one of my coaches has said just recently, it was really um, such a good reminder for me. But she said to me, she's like, you know, Andrea, I can't make anyone successful. And if I am basing my worth off their success, then I'm going to be in heaps of trouble because they may not do the work. Mm -hmm. They could hire me, pay for the coaching and still not do the work. And if I base what my worth is off of the fact that they did or didn't do the work, then I'm in trouble because I gave them what I what they needed. They just didn't follow through. So it reminded me that the follow through is as important as, you know, making sure that you're in the community, making sure that you're not isolated, making sure you have a mentor or coach. So what differentiates someone that has a dream Um to someone who wants to build a message-based business, what's the kind of the difference differentiation there? Yeah. So, you know, a dream is almost like you fell in love with the idea. Pursuing a message-based business is you fall in love with the work it takes. There's a big difference. And I think mm. what happens okay. is for a lot of us, um, we fall in love with with the idea of being a, you know, professional speaker and running our own business. That is a lot different than falling in love with the day-to-day work that it takes to get there. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I put together the the messenger manifesto was to reconnect with your why every day that helps you with the daily grind, so to speak, because ultimately what, is going to make you successful is to fall in love with the work 
because you know the work leads to momentum. Again, it's that consistency births momentum. So consistency is the mother of momentum. If you want momentum in your business, you've got to take consistent action, action. Yeah. whatever that is. If it's a weekly blog post, a weekly podcast, or whatever it is for you, that's just one example. Mm-hmm. But that consistency is what brings momentum. You are not going to get momentum if it's all in your head. If you're just thinking about it, if it's just plans on a paper, then that's not going to happen for you. So the biggest difference between a dream, a dream is falling in love with an idea, Mm -hmm. whereas success is falling in love with the work that it takes to produce the results. And I would I would imagine that for some people like you said, number seven of freedom lovers, the people who are like desperate to leave their nine to five and to have this major change. And, you know, people like they make this glossy shine on entrepreneurship, right? Like you can have all this freedom and you can build your own schedule and, and people fall in love with this idea of like, oh, I have my own time, except for the fact that their own time becomes structured with the consistent action And if they're not actually putting in the work during that time that you would probably even be working your nine to five, then that's not going to happen. So it's really like, you know, it's like falling in love with something that it doesn't exist. You're falling in love with being like a a lotto winner, really. Mm. (laughs) Somebody who's just has the things without putting in the work. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got it. You nailed it. That's what it is. And, and I think what happens is we don't realize that we've fallen into that trap, right? And so I didn't. I totally did. And I totally was there. I've been there. So. I've been there. I've been there before too. And yeah. it, it's like, okay, wait a minute. I need to start falling in love with the work. Like, I forget what that quote is. I don't know if it, I think it was Albert Einstein, but I don't know if it's really attributed to him. But he said, most people miss success because it shows up in overalls and looks like work. Mm. (laughs) And, um, that is true. It's like every day I got to like put on my overalls, right. It's time to go till the field. And guess Mm -hmm. what? It might be hot. Yes. It's, it's not always fun. Yes. It's kind of getting in there, but I know why I'm doing this. It's because there's a harvest at the end. And as a farmer, I know it's going to feed my community. It's going to provide sustenance. It's going to keep the economy going. Like there is an end goal to this work. I'm not just working and toiling for no reason, but I'm doing this because I've got a bigger reason why and connecting with that is, is important and start falling in love with the work. Yeah, no, thank you for saying that. Like, that's a great reminder to me even that I'm like, okay, how do I actually do that? <laughs> Fall in love with the work. But as as you said that, I was thinking, okay, you know what? There are certain things I, I think I do because I just love to do them. But do I love or enjoy doing them? Like, I love podcasting. Like, I, I and there, but there was a point in time where I didn't. And I kind of fell in love, fell out of love with it because it felt like it was just too much. It was, you know, and then I had to take a break from it and go, why do I like it so much? And I started to look at the the reasons like, well, number one, at the end of the day, no matter what, if I'm having a guest on the show, especially if I have a guest on the show, then I get to talk to people I would never talk to. Like I would mm-hmm. never have the opportunity just to sit and talk with you probably in any other circumstance, but because of a podcast, I have the opportunity to have this conversation with you. And just for like the, the sheer fact of, you know, being able to 
to learn from people, to have conversations, you know, to learn more about myself or to share my story. Podcasting is something I love. And so I've kind of fell back in love with podcasting and the drudgery of the, okay, I got to do the show notes or I have to do this or, I mean, because there's a lot of stuff that goes into the podcast. It's not just, it doesn't just happen. Um, but I have, those are like details comparatively to this part which is why I love it. And so that's really good. Now, I do want to talk about the manifesto and kind of how that works. And then I did ask you to kind of walk me through it. And I hopefully came a little bit prepared for it, but (laughs) we'll see. But the reason why is like, I, I, when I read your book, Jonathan, I was, I was really struck by something that I thought, you know what, we don't put enough into our message and into sharing our story and in your whole book as you go through like there's so much more than just even we're talking about today like tons Mm -hmm. and tons more um and you talk about like you know the different streams of income you talk about the different you know categories of you know where you can find yourself and like there's so many things but if you don't get this part of it you may not get to the other part of it and so i kind of that's why i wanted to like camp here so can you just share with us what is the manifesto and share yours as well yeah for sure so for me this was when i was in the midst of all that work like we just talked about like okay fall in love with the work that sounds real easy to say really hard to do so how do i do that and uh you know i found myself i was still working a day job at the time but i was starting this on the side which most people do For me, it was 5 to 7 a.m. every morning, Monday through Friday. That was my 10 hours that I could work for myself first Mm -hmm. before I went to my day job to just try to get my, and I started with a blog, later a podcast. But um, it was like, okay, why am I doing all this? Because again, when we don't have the immediate results, that's when it makes it, it's hard. It's difficult because we're just doing this work and we're like, are we just completely insane here mm-hmm. or are, are we heading somewhere? And so what I had to finally do is I sat down and I, I wrote out a prayer and it was like, I wanted to write something out that I could just read every morning that reconnected me back to my why. Why was I doing this? And so here's what mine says. And I still look over this every day. I have it on a three by five card. It says, as I begin my day, I will choose to work from a place of mission and not fear, service and not greed, humility and not pride. I choose today to offer hope to the discouraged, purpose to the doubting and direction to the confused. May this be my vision as I work today to build a business. And so that just really connected back to the deeper meaning. Yes, we need a business that's profitable. That's part of it. But if we focus on other people's results, sometimes the income will show itself because we're Mm -hmm. making a difference in other people's lives. Um, So that was mine. Okay. I love that. I, when I first started coaching, we did a lot of life messages and, and so this kind of reminded me of that process a little bit, except for it's really, you know, detailing your actual business. I love how you could probably do this in so many different areas, you know, but you know, like I know for myself that if I don't refocus every single day on what is important to me, then I'm going to get super distracted on the shiny objects and be like, okay, well, if I just listen to a full hour of someone else's podcast, 
then I'm going to get re-energized and refocused when I could probably read this under one minute (laughs) and get refocused. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I'm trying to get to peel back from the learning part of it, which, you know, people have been telling me for years. So now I'm definitely doing it. So I I wrote out some of the things. I don't know if you just want to walk me through it or how you want to do this, but I just want to know that people can actually see this in the book and the, the process, but this is just kind of a, as a little bit of an example. Yeah. Like we can approach this however you like, like we're saying, we're just doing this, mm-hmm. you know, very, um, I guess just off the top. I've not seen what you've written down. Nope. <laughs> so if you want to read yours and then we can, and maybe you have some questions about it. Yeah, uh, so- happy to coach a little bit. Yeah. So what I did was instead of like writing it out fully, um, I just kind of wrote the values first. Um, That was the the number one thing. So for me, and I wrote at first, I wrote three because you said to kind of write like what are three values for your business. And so but then I ended up writing a few more. So I wrote five because I wasn't sure like, okay, well, where do I really want to be? So authenticity But what I meant with that was really being um, able to show up. So um, being present and showing up and being authentic, being yourself. That's what I meant with authenticity. Purpose, uh, which felt a lot like mission for what you had said for you. But for me, it felt like, you know, being very intentional and purposeful. I'm getting missions similar. Um, Impact, clarity. And then I don't know why I put this, but it just seemed right. Sound, mind, and heart. Mm. I don't know why, but I was, I was like, at the end of the day, I think those are the things that I want my business to be about. To be showing up, being yourself, being very purposeful and impactful, having like a clarity around what it is that you're doing and being of sound, mind, and heart. Like, I feel like that part of it where it's like... um there's a healing aspect in involved in it and there's a mindset aspect so you're not just all over the place you're very very clear on what you're doing so that's where i started there yeah so that's the first step is just identifying what those are and i think it's good for you to just brainstorm and have more and you may you may sometimes what happens when people go through this exercise is they might see okay i wrote out seven values mm-hmm. that i want to live out but then um, well, technically these two could be combined. And so the first part of it is just to get it out of your head and allow it to kind of be there. Um, and maybe you come back and look at it a couple of days later with fresh eyes. So that's part one. The next part is to look at what are the opposites of those values. And the reason why this is important is because, um, what often happens to us is it's easy for us to fall into the other side. Yeah. And the, the truth is most of the time when we come up with those values, we're not always living in those a hundred percent already. That's why we're writing it in the first place because we've given in to the other side, right? Yes. We're given into the dark side. Yes. So for me, like the opposite of mission is yeah. fear, right? So think about like somebody who is on a mission, you know, think about like uh, somebody in battle, right? If they're on a mission, they're not necessarily, um, making all their decisions by fear because they have a mission to pursue and they've got to climb the hill no matter what. 
right? They're willing to die for it a lot of times. Like yeah. I'm imagining a movie scene in my mind. Yeah. Or, you know, anything like Outlander. Like I'm imagining, you know, when you have a mission, you're like you're going for it. Or if you decide that you don't want to be part of the mission, you're like at home cowarding back from doing that. Yeah. And, you know, another way to look at this, I, I, I debated whether to put this because this is actually an exercise. If people are wondering, it's an exercise in the book. I have at, at the end of every chapter, we try to put an exercise to help you yeah. actually apply this. That's the teacher in me. I'm sure that's yep. how it is for you. So mm-hmm. I can't help but give a homework <laughs> exercise. But one of the things I was going to put in this exercise is if you're really struggling with number one, what are the values I want to have? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easier to see the the negative or the bad side first, like the stuff that we're not happy about in yeah. our lives. And so maybe you need to start there. So like, you know, there's so many times where I let fear control the day that stopped me from putting myself out there, mm-hmm. you know, especially me as an introvert. It's like I have a tendency to think first instead of just putting myself out there. So if somebody who's listening might say, you know what, I can easily identify the stuff. So for me, it was fear. Uh, I have greed. I don't think it was necessarily greed, but at the beginning, it was as a, as a, a man who had a, a wife and two kids. It was, I got to make this work financially, which is good. But if you're only focused on money, then you're going to be putting out products and services and not thinking about transformation or results. So be careful of that. Um, Pride, pride's easy for it to, for it to pop up in all of us, right? All of us want to be the best-selling author. We want to be recognized to be a speaker, not necessarily that's prideful, but sometimes we have to be careful that our motivations are pure and right. So that's the opposite. Okay. For me, I put the opposite of authenticity was hiding, not showing up. So it could look like in a practical sense for me where um, I say, okay, well, I'm not going to really tell the the full story in the podcast or I'm not really going to share the full truth on, you know, social media or I'm I'm not I'm going to worry about whether or not people are going to accept me by what I put in an email. Right. So that is the hiding or not showing up. The purpose and impact was kind of like I, th- I felt fear like anxiety but I also put I put anxious thinking because I've fallen mm-hmm. into that a lot and that's kind of where where I have really gotten a lot of um, clarity in my, my own heart and mind was that when I realized that a lot of the reason why I wasn't doing things was that based out of um, some of the anxiety I had and then of course the toxic thinking that I had had that you know, I wasn't able to really be super purposeful because I was really stuck in my head, um, which is also the sound mind and heart piece. And then the other part of things that were opposite for me were confusion and I want clarity. Mm. So I felt like over it's overload, like too much. There's too many things. So it's like now I'm confused. Like you've given me too much stuff or I see too many options and I really want it to be clear. I don't want to be like having to figure it all out all the time and be confused. And then the last one was distraction. Mm. So those are the my opposites there. That, you nailed them. I mean, those are great. And so what that what that does when you review it every day, it, it's almost like your to-do list and your stop doing lists, right? Okay, yeah. 
it's like, okay, to-do list, I'm going to step into all these positive values. Meanwhile, I am determined not to be uh, or, um, side railed by all of this other stuff, the distraction, confusion. I'm choosing the other values. And so really the first part of this messenger manifesto is about the messenger themselves. Because if you don't show up filled up to help your people, then you're not going to make the impact that you want to make. And so it starts with you. And that's why the book is, I think the biggest um, feedback I've gotten off the book is they're a bit surprised that a online business marketing book has so much self-development. Like it, it's, it's yeah. really it's great. one part <laughs> self-development and the yeah. second part's the marketing. And it's done very intentional because you can learn and go back to the learning part. You can learn funnels. You can learn about membership sites. You can learn about podcast. You can learn about all of this, all of the marketing tactics, how to build an email list. Yeah. But if you're not right in your own thinking and in your own understanding, your own value or how you show up best for others, if you have not worked on or developed yourself first, you won't ever get to doing all of that stuff. It's never oh. going to be taken action on. 100%. And in as you read through the book, you know, if you're listening, that's what you get to, you get to the other part as you go through. So if I went from because you do in the manifesto, like the from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. So that was good for me too, because then I was like, Oh, okay, now I can actually look and go what's what am I going from? What am I going to? Right? Mm -hmm. That helped me. So I'm going from confusion to clarity. I'm going from distraction to purpose. And that made so much more sense of being like, okay, if I'm distracted by all these things I need to do or, you know, listening to this or reading that or whatever, I'm not being pur purposeful. But it, like for ex just as an example, because I want people to see so much like how practical some of this is. If I have a, a guest on my show who has a book, for example, Jonathan Milligan wrote this book, Your Message Matters. <laughs> I get sent the book. It's in my mailbox. I pull out the book. Well, I can get completely distracted by everything in the book and want to implement everything in the book, but I know that you are going to be on the podcast. So I have to read the book in such a way that I'm taking out, well, what do I actually need to share in the podcast? Like, what do I want to, to use to share within the podcast? So I'm not just looking, I'm looking, yes, to learn, but I would then be too distracted by all, oh, like, well, I should do this too. And I also should do this. And, and then I just go down these rabbit trails instead of being focused and purposeful about the fact that we're going to have a podcast and we're going to talk about it. So to me, it was reading the book with purposeful intention of saying, what do I need to share with my audience when I'm reading this book? Yes. That would that's, best highlight Jonathan, but it was also going to help my audience. Yeah, that's a great example because you, you brought purpose to what you were doing and mm -hmm. you knew what you were going to get out of it when you got into it. That's a great example. So then the, the last two are where fear to sound mind. So that was like the mindset piece. And then the last one was hiding to authenticity. So that really, really I love that. formed. Yeah. Yeah. It was really helpful. Super helpful. No, I love the wording. I think yeah. you nailed it. So I know that what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the manifesto the way you've written it. And I'm going to actually write out some of that to help me to stay really clear. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about a couple more things before, you know, we, we close today. Um, 
But one of the things that um, you wrote in your book, and I don't know what page, but I did actually uh, type it out because it was that good. Um, (laughs) It was said, whether we realize it or not, most of us fear either success or failure. We fear being wrong. We fear the unknown. We fear our abilities. We fear being criticized. We fear wasting our time. It feels safer to live out a life pursuing distractions than it is, than it does living on mission, which I think just completely encapsulates everything we just talked about, which is, I think so many of us are driven by those things, wrong, being wrong, the unknown, our abilities. And in your book, you talk about your primary influencer voice. Hmm. So there's different categories we could fall into which I was like, I feel like I fall into all of them. But okay, so can you just briefly tell us a little bit about our influencer voice? Sure. So this was a discovery for me. I had a workshop um, that I had uh, people fly in to attend. We had like 15 people at the workshop. And I got started through blogging. So through writing, I fell back in love with writing after I set it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of got my start. And uh, so I when I first started talking or teaching about it, cause I did not start teaching about online business. I started off as a career coach for accounting and finance professionals. So that was the first blog that I built to first full-time income was in career coaching. And then I started a, teaching about it as a side note. Cause yeah. I'm very curious in your story. What did you teach in high school? So I actually taught Jewish history That was my thing. Um, I taught just that to high school. So every class was the same class and that's what I taught. Um, And you went from that to being a career coach that specialized with account. Because I was like, I wondered about that. I was like, well, when is he a business teacher in high school or was he like a math guy? Yeah. And that's why, and that's why when you read my story, I'm all over the place. And guess what? That is, I want people to know if you feel that way, if you're creatively driven Mm -hmm. and you feel that way, that your resume is a complete mess, you're in the right place. It's okay. Right. And one of the things I talk about in the book is that your passions can change, but your purpose remains. And that's where we can tie it back into talking about this influencer voice. And so at that event, I kept hearing from people who said, I can't write, like blogging is difficult for me. I want to do this, but I can't write. And then, you know, but I can speak. They would say, put me, you know, give me a topic, turn on the video. And it just bubbles out of me. It's like, it's easy for me to talk. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I walked away from that event going, I probably need to figure out why is there not an assessment? There's lots of personality assessments out there, but why is there not an assessment for us influencers? that helped, helped us to identify where our core motivation is. So I wanted this to be fully included in the book because I didn't want it to be like something separate that you had to pay for. But for the last five or six years, we've been re, um, refining this process to really get it down. Yeah. But what this test does in the book is it helps you to identify, are you more of a writer, speaker, teacher, or coach? And this is not competency. Mm. So what it is, is it gets at what are you more motivated by? Like, what do you get more excited or motivated by? And the reason why I think it's important to identify that is because going back to the farmer analogy, 
-hmm. you need to lean into how you're naturally wired. Mm -hmm. And so instead of trying to be somebody else or mimic somebody else because they did this thing, tie it back into how did God make you? And also um, the other part of it is you can totally build competency in all four. So I use all four in my business now, you know, even though I'm, I, I started off with a blog, you know, I, I have ways that I produce income and impact with writing, with speaking, with teaching, with coaching. You can absolutely um, have competency in all four. If you say, well, I don't want to be narrowed in on one, that's fine. But oftentimes start with where the motivation lies. And that's what the assessment's designed to do. That's amazing. So it's like if you're in the beginning stages, it would be smart to to look at it one way, one of them and say, okay, well, this seems to be like where I'm most energized and most motivated. So I should probably stick to that one and build a stream of income around that versus maybe trying to do all four and not getting very far in any of them. And yes. then you know, feeling discouraged and wanting to quit. So it's kind of like, if you know you're a natural born speaker, then speak, like just do everything to, for speaking. And I love how you write in your book, like you, you walk through streams of income, how people can do that, how they can grow that, how they can do their marketing. Like there's so many more like things, layers as you go through. But I know like, you know, even for me, I was, I thought about that at first. And as I read through it and I thought, oh, like, you know, I never really wanted to be a teacher. Like even when I was in teaching, like I wanted to be a singer songwriter. I wanted to be a famous singer songwriter. I wanted to be Natalie Grant. Let's mm -hmm. be, let's be real here. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, but the, the truth of the matter was, is that I was a natural born teacher and I was able to do that. And when I was teaching, I learned that one of my things that I loved was coaching like I love to coach my students. So I did that through voice lessons and piano lessons and, and coaching them and helping them with their lives. And then, you know, sometimes through that, I learned also that like, you know, there was parts of me who that did want to share those things and those lessons and speak publicly and share some of that. And then also there was a part of me who wanted to write it. That felt like probably my least, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not an expert writer in it, but you know, surprisingly I've published a book. So self-published a book. So yeah. <laughs> there you have it. So, you know what I mean? Like anything's possible. So, Absolutely. but I know that like what lights me up at the end of the day is coaching, like seeing people have the transformation. That's the thing that like lights me up and I do all the other things because I love that so much. And I love seeing people really walk in their purpose and really discover that and have a huge revelation around how they can do that. That to me is just like what just lights me up. And then the rest of it is, a, is kind of helping them to do that, which I love how you can kind of look through this and re just, just define your message and who you are in it, which I love. So. Yes. And then what that does is just gives you that confidence, right? Because we, a lot of times we lack that confidence. And so it, that's what it's going to do is, you know, when you discover what, um, you know, how God made you, and mm -hmm. we talk about that a little bit about discovering your one word and then matching that to your influencer voice, that's where the power is. And so for me, I try to mimic people for so long and try to be like this person, that person, or this is what success looks like. 
And finally, I realized that my thing, my gift that I can give to others, what God has gifted me with Mm -hmm. is to be a resourceful teacher. Yes, it's not exciting, you know, being practical. I mean, I get that a lot and practical is great, but that's not as exciting as charismatic, right? And so it's like, (laughs) I want to be the charismatic, funny speaker on stage. Right. But what I had to realize was, well, there is, I can't try to be a bad version of that, but I can be a really, really good version of a Mm, resourceful, practical teacher. Yeah, that's good, Jonathan. Um, Two questions before we close today. I want to be mindful of of the time. Um, But number one is like, if you could just say anything, if you wanted to share, you know, with this audience, something that you feel like is kind of like encapsulated what we've talked about today that you, a piece of advice, being a resourceful teacher, how, how do you, what are you going to teach us? What are you going to say to us today? Yes. So I would say that there are people waiting for you Mm. to pursue this. There are, and I use an illustration in the book, like picture standing in front of a 30 foot high brick wall. Yeah. And there's a single rope hanging down. But on the other side of that wall are thousands of people who are waiting for you. And it requires, and what I talk about in the book is present courage. Everybody you admire. And I mean, Andrea, you're a great example. Like you could trace your story back to it took present courage for you to get the cover art for the podcast to actually sit down and record that first episode right everybody you admire you can trace them back to a moment of present courage and the people you most want to help are on the other side of your present courage and it's almost like their future help depends on your present courage right now in this moment and I really had that realization when I did my first in-person event. We had about 80 people that showed up for the event. And I was going to share with them my first YouTube video that I recorded because it was terrible. And I'm like, I'm going to encourage them because some of them think that I just, all this comes natural. Jonathan just knows how to do this stuff. No, I was terrible. My first video on YouTube's creepy. So <laughs> I said, I'm going to play it. So I went way back in my YouTube archives and... I discovered that I had published that video to the day, 10 years before that, my, my live event. Amazing. And I was like sitting there going, it was 10 years ago today. That's incredible. And so if I could hop into the, the DeLorean for a back to future reference and go back to that person, my, my 10 year younger self, mm-hmm. And he's nervous. He's probably his fingers, probably even a little bit nervous about hitting publish on that first YouTube video. And I could tap him on the shoulder and say, guess what? You need to have present courage because there's a whole room of people in the future that are waiting for your help. They need your help. And so I know that was kind of a long no, uh, answer, but I think it's, if there's one message that I want people to get out of this book, your message matters is that the people you most want to help their future help depends on your present courage right now. I love that. That's amazing. Um, that's gonna, we're gonna put that a little quote (laughs) as a, but one of the things, you know, of course we're called the courage cast, right? So I love that. Um, the one question I ask everybody before we always go is what is the next brave step you need to take? And you know what? That is a step 
that is a question we should be asking ourselves often because it gets us out of our comfort zone, is it not? Yeah. So for me, well, first of all, for me, it was to do a traditionally published book because I had mm -hmm. done a self-published and I yeah. really wanted to put myself out there and do a traditionally published book. So one thing that I do is every year I try to choose two stretch goals. They have to be two things I've never done before that I want to do for the first time. And so for this year, it was, um, you know, launching this book was a, was a large part of it toward the end of the year, I should say. And so um, for me this year is we are coming back to doing live events. I've only ever done, I think, like as far as a bigger scale live event, but I'm doing both uh, a virtual and a live ticket option. And this is putting me out of my comfort zone to like go there because there's all those questions like, how are you going to make it good for the people virtual and the people that are going to be there in person? We're coming out of the end, hopefully of a pandemic. So yeah. for me, it is um, the event that I'm going to hold in June. That's going to be called Your Message Matters Live. And we have rented out, um, it's not the biggest space, but we've rented out an actual convention center. Whereas the last one, I was kind of honestly, if I'm being honest, I was probably a little bit fearful of doing an event and nobody showing up. Yeah. So I did it in a, in a um, conference room that could, hold 60 people in a hotel. Yeah. But um, we had to actually stop selling tickets for that. So that was my fault for not having a bigger vision. And I had no virtual option. So this is pre COVID. Yeah. And so that's the thing that's stretching me now is like, I'm putting myself out there a little bit more. I've got more expenses. So that's the next brave thing for me is to, to push this event and do a, both a virtual and in-person option. Amazing. And where is that going to be? Yeah, it's going to be at the Jekyll Island Convention Center. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe it's June 17th and 18th. Um, it's a Friday, Saturday. And uh, we're about probably in a week or two going to start selling tickets. Okay. And where, what city is it? Uh, Jekyll Island, Georgia. Jekyll. So it's actually an island, a beautiful island um, that our family just loves. We've went there for years. And they have a convention center on the island, and it's just gorgeous. It's so much fun. And I'm excited about having an event there. Well, I will put all of this in the show notes so that people can link to, you know, even getting into the virtual or the in-person event, which is so cool. I know I was looking, um, I'm in Canada, of course, so our vaccinations at this point are a little slower. Mm than the U.S. at this moment. So I don't know that we're going to be even, I don't even know that I'll be vaccinated by June. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was looking, I'm like, come on now, let's get this going here. I know that so many people have, you know, are moving forward in that, but I'm just like, okay, if we can just kind of get things going here in Canada, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're in the U.S. and you can travel and you want to, you know, and that's something that you can do, I encourage you, you know, do get where people are that are, you know, doing the work you want to do because, you know, it's great to even do the virtual things and so grateful that we can. But when we can actually get in person and be there and take it in, there's something about that live event and, and being with people. So I'm glad that that is your stretch goal. And that's the next brave step. And um, where can people find you online? Yeah, so the book, you can just go to yourmessagemattersbook.com. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's an easy place to go if you want to find out. And it's available in all kinds of formats and, and bookstores. Uh, my, our main website is marketyourmessage.com. So that's where we're providing tools and resources to help messengers. Uh, so those are the, the two main places where you can find me online. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for being a guest on the Courage Cast. Thank you, Andrea. I had fun. Jonathan really is a resourceful teacher because I learned so much. And the one thing in particular that stood out to me was when he said how we need to fall in love with what we're doing. Like that really stopped me in my tracks and I kind of felt a little bit convicted about it. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've been looking for too long at what could be and idealizing that, making it this glossy, shiny finish when really I need to fall in love with the everyday stuff and find purpose and meaning in all of the things that I'm doing. So I want to know what you're taking away. If you screenshot that you listen to this episode and then tag both Jonathan and myself and let us know what you're taking away. What are you going to implement into your life and business? You can find me at, at Andrea Crisp Coach as well as at the Doc Courage Cast. And Jonathan is at Jonathan P. Milligan. Friends, thank you so much for hanging out. And I loved being with you today. Until next time, remember, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Cast, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review. And while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Crilly.